1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 133. This is the second episode of season two, and I'm so happy that you are joining me for today's episode, as we have a lot of stuff to talk about in regards to the Celtics, Bruins, and the Red Sox, which are all topics that I want to discuss and get to in today's episode. Last episode, episode 132, the first episode of season two. We talked about football and all the moves and maneuvering that teams and players have been doing this offseason, and of course, we talked about the Patriots and Tom Brady as well. It was just an overwhelming discussion all across the board, so we didn't have time to talk about anything else besides those three topics, but in today's episode, like I mentioned, we will be discussing Celtics, Bruins. And The Red Sox and I am very very excited because there is a lot to talk about about all three teams Respectively speaking and if we have time at today's at the end of today's episode I would love to indulge in a little bit of MLB lockout like post lockout thoughts that I have but we'll see where the episode kind of falls as we get towards you know the conclusion of our three main topics, but thank you so much for Clicking on this video, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe as I greatly appreciate the love and support. If you're listening to this on audio-only platforms, thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying as I greatly appreciate the love and support from everybody. It is a blessing in disguise to have such a great foundation of supporters and people that love listening to the podcast because it is a joy to bring these episodes to you every Friday moving forward. But, but, do have something I do want to talk about first. And you're going to like it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I promise. So, on Friday, I mentioned, I gave you a breakdown of the schedule upcoming for Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And I mentioned that, I was going to do Friday, Monday being today, so Friday the 1st, Monday the 4th, and then it was going to be Friday, April 8th, and then Fridays throughout, right? Well, great news. I got good news and bad news, okay? I know a lot of people kind of like the bad news first, so that's the news I'm going to give you first, and I know there's some people that rather have the good news first just to kind of help things but i'm gonna go bad news first on friday i lied i lied to you i said i was only going to do friday the 1st april the 4th friday the 8th and it was gonna be fridays moving forward my lie was kind of kind of a good one because good news we're going to be having Murph's Boston Sports Talk every Monday and Friday throughout the course of April as we get up until the draft. Very, very exciting. So it was more of a joke. April Fools. I Listen, listen. At the end of season one, as we were gearing towards the end of season one all the way back in February, I mentioned, hey, season two is coming back on April 1st. That's the first Friday in April. It just happens to fall on April Fools. It's not a joke. I promise. And I didn't joke about that. I came through on that promise. However, I did kind of fib. Okay, fine. I lied. But it was more of a joke. It was more of a joke. Aha. Aha. See, it's not not as funny because it's not April 1st anymore. (laughs) It's not as funny because it's not April 1st anymore. But that's okay. That's okay. But anyways, so... Every Monday, every Friday throughout the course of April will be Murph's Boston Sports Talk. That is going to push us through the draft. After the draft, as football dies back down a little bit, we'll kind of reevaluate and see where we are. I do want to stick to two days a week. I'm not sure which two days. So I'm going to stick with Monday and Friday for now. I May I move it to like a Monday and a Thursday? Who knows? Tuesdays and Fridays won't work because I'm not here to shop on Tuesdays and I don't know. I I like the two-episode setup. I think it's better than the one, but I know some people would prefer the one episode where it's just more information in a longer amount of time per episode, but I know on on the other side of the coin, some people would rather have shorter episodes but more frequent ones. So it's just I kind of have to play it out. But for April, expect Monday, expect Friday, Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So with all the pleasantries and all the housekeeping details out of the way, let's dive into our Boston Celtics. Now, the last time I recorded, they were getting hot. They were probably very hot at that point, but I wasn't buying in on them. They were still bottom of the Eastern Conference playoff standings, and I was not buying in. I've seen it too many times. They would get hot for, you know, two weeks, three weeks, whatever and then come playoff time, they would sizzle out, or right before playoffs, they would go cold, and that would be that. Well, since the new year, since 2022, Celtics have caught fire at the right time, back in January when they did, and they have been phenomenal the past three months, three-plus months now. And honestly, from all that, from all that excellent play that the Celtics have been doing the past three months offensively, defensively, Tatum showing out, Brown showing out, uh, Rob Williams, who we'll talk about a little more about in a minute, he's been balling out. Marcus smart. I mean, the team has been cohesive, it is gelled, and it is performing at a very high level. And honestly, the past three months in their performance, like I said, offensively, defensively, as a team and as individual players, have shut the Celtics haters down right up and that is including myself i listen i love the celtics i love basketball the nba is a very difficult product to watch still and i didn't want to buy into the celtics team i didn't want to buy in early and honestly i'm not ready to buy in just yet yes i know they're the third seed i'm sorry the second seed as i sit here and record on monday morning and we have clinched a playoff spot but i'm not ready to buy in I, I I'm not they're eight and two in their last 10 that's fantastic they've been able to win games on the road now I, I I forget what the record was but when I was sitting here before the the end of season one they were sub 500 and it wasn't even close on the road now they're 21 and 17 on the road and 28 and 13 at home they can play on the road and they can play at home so it does not matter for them. I just, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket, buy into this team, and then they're out in the first or second round. If they can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, then hoorah. Awesome. Especially the way the season first started. It's just, I still look at the rest of the East. You have the Heat, a powerhouse. You have the Bucks, the defending, uh, not the defending champion, a defending champion from, yeah, the defending champions. I got my like timeline mixed up. The defending champions still have one of the best players, arguably the best player, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. The 76ers, who have been playing fairly, fairly well, 6-4 and four in the last 10 on a two-game winning streak. But they've been good all season. They've been good all season. And they're still in the mix. The Bulls, they're a very good team. They've sizzled a little bit. They've calmed down. But they're still a very good team. Then you have the Raptors, the Cavs, the, Ma- uh, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Nets. Like, these are all teams that still can play good basketball when needed. Like, I don't think the Cavaliers, the Hawks, or the Hornets are going to be legitimate threats in the East. I think we can all agree on that. Could they win a series if they get lucky? Sure. But I don't see them going far at all. First of all, first of all, the Cavs, Hawks, Hornets, and Nets will have to get out of the play-in round first. But, you know, that's not where I'm going with this today but the Celtics locking their playoff spot is a huge huge step for them because last year they were in the playing game they won but then they lost to the the Nets in 5 games was it so like i said i'm not ready to buy in especially with the loss of Rob Williams for the foreseeable future Rob Williams the time lord made a significant difference for this team both defensively and offensively he was a force to be reckoned with Guarding the rim, blocking shots, playing excellent defense down low in the post. Very athletic big man. Being able to go up on lobs and just slam it down for seeming, seemingly easy two points. And then him having a was it partial tear in his meniscus, having minor surgery. Should be back around three weeks from now. I think the original timetable was four to six, but they're looking at three weeks. And he should be ready for the second round of the playoffs. That's Fantastic. But you don't want to rush him back. He's very injury prone. We've seen this before. With numerous injuries. Upper body, lower body, back, uh, hamstring, knees, hips. I mean, he fell. Originally fell in the draft because of a back issue during college. Because he had an injured back. Probably should have been a lottery pick. Easily should have been a lottery pick. But he fell to it like 26 it was that year. 2018 I believe it was. So... You don't want to rush him back. Regardless who you play, unless it's the Nets, which you may strike the Nets, you should be able to get out of the first round without Rob Williams. Your team is completely different and completely better with Rob Williams. Yes. And if if they still had Rob Williams healthy and the injury kind of wasn't an issue for him, I would probably buy in. But this team is night and day... With him in and out of the lineup. Because with him in the lineup. You can have Al Horford be a power forward. who he, He's a very good power forward. But he's okay. He's not that good at the center position. And then like you just have a safety blanket. Protecting the rim. You know if you're stuck. He you can cut to the hoop. You can throw it up. And you can throw it down. I just really like the Celtics way better. With a healthy Rob Williams. Now when he comes back. Hopefully for the second round. And he's performing at the highest level. That he was before the injury. And he's looking really good with no issues, no setbacks, nothing. All right, then. Maybe I'll buy in then. But I'm still proceeding with caution. Because if you draw the Nets in the first round, that's going to be a tough, tough first round. Regardless if you have time, Lord, or not, but it would make it significantly easier if you did. But luckily for the Celtics, they're playing well at the right time. And it's been sustainable. I talked about it in season one. Is this success and this streak that they're going on sustainable? Like I mentioned earlier in this episode, we've seen it before. Two, three, maybe even a month. Uh, Two, three weeks, even a month of great success. You're playing great basketball. You're winning 10 out of the past 12 games. You're blowing a few teams out. You had a good West Coast trip or whatever it may be. And then they come crashing down. And have the Celtics overall in general cooled off a bit? Yes. But they're still playing at a high level that I believe is sustainable. So you may ask yourself, Murph, if it's sustainable, the high level that they're playing at, then why aren't you buying in? Like I said, Time Lord, you may draw the Nets in the first round. And I just feel like at any given second, this team could click off. I I just feel it. They've had a lot of egotistic problems in the past whether it was with Tatum Brown Gordon Hayward Kyrie Marcus Smart Terry Rozier whoever it was I just feel this team can click off and if they do they're going to collapse and it's going to be a miserable miserable time especially if you're buying in with your heart and soul which I want to do I want to do that so so bad but again, I am proceeding with caution here with the Celtics. And I feel like you should too. I feel like you should too. Yes, the past three months has been very exciting. It's been enjoyable. The games are fun to watch. The team is exciting. It almost reminds me of like, uh, I don't know, five years ago at this point with Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Kelly Olynyk, Like those guys just absolutely playing you know out of their minds going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like... That's what it feels like, like that level of excitement and that level of interest. But I'm not ready to emotionally put my heart and soul into this team because I do not want to be upset again, and I do not want to suffer a massive loss. Here in Boston, we have high expectations. We have championship aspirations for all four of our teams, Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox, Patriots. If it's not a championship, we don't want it. That is what we've been molded in the past 20-plus years. If you're not winning the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Stanley Cup, or the NBA Finals, we don't want it. That's just how we've been molded with so many championships in two decades. Would it be cool to go on a run and get to the Eastern Conference Finals and if you lose to a good team, you lose to a good team? Sure, yeah, but we as Boston sports fans will not accept that. The Celtics lost to the Heat two years ago in the Eastern Conference Finals and then the Heat, you know, lose to the the Los Angeles Lakers. Were the Celtics going to beat the Lakers that year? Hmm, probably not, but you don't know because you didn't get there. You didn't get to the Finals. Because if you got to the finals, who knows? You just don't know. And at least if you get to the finals, at least, hey, there's no tomorrow. There's no other round. We went as far as we could without winning. I think that's somewhat acceptable. But getting to getting bounced in the first, second, or even the third round, I'd probably say the first or second round is not acceptable. If third round, you can kind of convince yourself. Like, hey, you know, the season started like crap. Hey, we got here, so hey. But at the end of the day, that's not good enough. Listen, I I may have high expectations for my sports teams because I like winning. I'm competitive. I want championships. And I know you do too, Boston sports fans. I know most of you, I should say, at least most of you do too. And if you're not a Boston sports fan, which I would assume you are to some degree, whether it's one or all the teams, whether you have, you're rooting for a different team, you probably want them to win too, right? You probably want them to win that championship too. So that is why I'm paused to buy in on the Celtics. I know a lot of people around here at the shop are looking for Brown stuff, looking for Tatum stuff, because they're playing at a high level, and deservingly so. They deserve the credit. They've turned the season absolutely around like i said made it exciting made it enjoyable and it gives me something to watch but if they didn't go on this run and we had to go into the the off season with mediocrity bounced in the playoff uh the play-in games or not even making the playoffs like they were looking like earlier in the season it would have been a long long off season for the celtics And if that was the the case, then Jalen Brown or Tatum were probably gone. But hey, we don't have to talk about that because they're still here and they're playing fantastic. I don't want to ruin the moment because the Celtics have been playing very, very well. And I cannot wait to continue talking about them because towards the end of season one, I stopped talking about them because of the poor play. And yes, they were getting better come the end of season one. But we were just talking too much football and playoffs and the lockout. So it's just... It took second, third fiddle, so it's good to be talking about the Celtics again. And with that being said, what are the Celtics' legitimate title chances? What is it literally? So we already kind of discussed the East a little bit, where the Cavs, Hawks, Hornets—they're not real threats. They're not real competitors. Like I, I don't—if I draw them in the first round, or if even they make it out of the first round, we play them in the second round. I'm not all too scared. I don't think you should be either. But when you're looking at the heat, the bucks, the seventy sixers, and hell even the Nets too, you should have a little bit of pause and a little bit of worry. The Bulls, the Raptors, if they get hot, they get hot. and I, I don't want to dismiss them by any means. but i I, I would fear the heat bucks seventy sixers and a little bit of the Nets more than I'm fearing the Bulls and the Raptors. And someone on the radio, I forget who it was, trying to say that the the East is more competitive than the West. And I think that is absolute atrocious. That is absolute blasphemy because they're different animals. They're completely different animals. And both conferences have the the bottom-of-the-barrel teams. But let's be honest. Most stars are out west. The Heat have 51 wins. The Celtics are in second place with 49. Let me read you the records out west. Oh, well, let me, uh. let's see. The Nets are at the bottom of the play-in with 40 wins. Okay. Let me get to the west. The Suns, first place, 62 wins. Grizzlies, second, 55 the Warriors, 50. The Mavericks in fourth place, 49. Right? The Celtics are two games back from first place with 49 wins and 30 losses behind the Miami Heat. The Grizzlies had the same exact record, identical record, 49 and 30. And they are 13 and a half games back from first place. It is unbelievable how top-heavy the Western Conference is. And even when you muddle through the middle, you have the Nuggets, who last year were a fairly good team. They're right in the mix for a playoff spot. The Jazz, the Timberwolves are looking very, very good this year. They're 6-4 in the last 10, 45-34 overall. They're looking like a playoff team, or at least a play-in-game team. Then you have the Clippers, who have Kawhi and Paul George, but they've been... Injured most of the year, but they're still muddling around 500. If they can get those guys back at the right time, they could take off and maybe you know go on a little run. The Pelicans, ah, for nothing. The Spurs, eh, nothing. They're seven and three in their past ten, though. so That's good. Then you got the Lakers. Take it for what you want. But the Lakers, they're still in the mix for a playing game. Probably not because they're two games back from that. But like LeBron, Melo, Westbrook, Anthony Davis, like that team's loaded with. I, I listen. That, that's a whole nother story. The Spurs are tenth, thirty-three and forty-five, and the Nets in the East are tenth as well, at forty and thirty-eight. So, like, I think there's more. There's a lot more competitive teams in the East, but there's way more star power, way more talented teams in the West. Like, like the Timberwolves, forty-five and thirty-four, as your seven seed. And the Cavaliers are forty three and thirty six as your seven seed. So like even like around the middle towards the bottom of the the playoff picture is still fairly competitive. So I, I just like I don't think this I I don't think the Heat, Celtics, Bucks, and 76ers, those top four teams, are better than the Western Conference's top four teams, the Suns, Grizzlies, Warriors Mavs. I could be wrong, I could be mistaken. Let me know down in the comment section below if I am incorrect. Or give me your thoughts and opinions about it in the comment section below if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on audio-only platforms, reach out to me via social media at Murph's Cartown. What do you think the Celtics' legitimate title chances are? And is the East better than the West? Because their legitimate title chances right now for the Celtics is very good. If, if, there's a big caveat, that's an if. They get Rob Williams back healthy for the second round. Obviously, you got to make it out of the first round, but I would like to think that they can. But if they can get Rob Williams back for the second round with no setbacks, no injuries, no fatigue, and he can look and play like he did before the injury, I really do like their chances in at least the East. The West, going to be a different story. Depends on who they draw. If they draw the Suns, ugh, that could be tough. If they draw the Grizzlies, Warriors, or Mavs, I'd feel a little bit better because that Suns team is just so damn good. But hey, you're a good team too. You can play well. I don't want to look ahead to the Western Conference in the finals because you have three rounds in the East to go through first. So figure that out first before you get to the West and looking at the actual title chance. But to get yourself in a position to win a title, I do like their chances in the East. But... Again, that's with the caveat of Rob Williams coming back with no fatigue, no setbacks, and he's looking like the Rob Williams of old before his injury. So, that is everything we have to talk about in regards to the Celtics as we re enter into season two of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Let me know all of your thoughts, opinions, comments, concerns, whatever questions you may have down in the comment section below if you're listening on YouTube and if you're listening on audio only platforms, like I mentioned a couple minutes ago. Reach out to me via social media at Murv's Car Town. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let me know what you want to talk about, what you want to discuss about in regards to the Celtics. But let's pivot. Let's skate on over to the Bruins as they are battling, battling for divisional standing. They are absolutely battling for the division. And when I... I before at the end of season 1 they were still a wild card team but they were like 8 points or so back but they were like 3 games played less so let's fast forward now the games played has evened out uh, across the league really eastern conference and western conference so it doesn't matter there but the Bruins they're 8 and 2 in their last 10 games they're 43 20 and 5 Five overtime losses. They have 91 total points. They were battling. They were a little behind the Washington Capitals beforehand. But now the Capitals are in second place for the wild card. Second wild card. With 84 points. So, not that it's locked up the first wild card spot. But it does look a lot better for the Bruins. Because with 91 points, they're only two points behind the Maple Leafs and the Lightning who, in respect, are 7-3 and and 6-3-1 and in their last 10 games, again, respectively. Florida Panthers, they have 102 points. They would have to fall off the face of the earth for you to get to the one seed. So I'm not even going to worry about it. But the Bruins, they've kind of turned it around a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Their goal differential, which was a big issue for me, a big, big issue for me, because at the end of the day, you got to score more goals than the other team. That's it. You got to score more goals than the other team. And now they're plus 34, which, you know, is a lot better. I mean, the Florida Panthers are plus 83. That's disgusting. They are plus 83. But they're 48, 15, and 6. So, I mean, come on. All six of their overtime losses are on the road. They have six regulation losses at home and nine regulation losses on the road. They have 287 goals for That is just disgusting, and they've only given up 204. So I'm not all too worried about catching up to them. But the Maple Leafs, they're plus 51. The Lightning, they're plus 36. And then obviously the other wildcard team that you have to worry about, the Capitals, they're plus 24. So hey, you fought back. You're right there in terms of your goal differential, which is absolutely massive. Being able to put more goals on the board than you're giving up is going to be an excellent indicator moving forward because your goalies are hopefully playing well and can keep the puck out of the net and your forwards and even your defensemen are playing good that they can put the puck in the net because yes who can score more goals will win but you also got to stop the goals from going in as well on the other side of the coin I really do like the Bruins the overtime losses have kind of crept up a little bit you know that was something they were struggling with early in the season They got five of them now, and the reason why I'm like all so picky about it is because it's still a point. It is still a point. It is 3-3 going into overtime, and you lose in overtime or you lose in shootout, you're still getting a point. And again, I have to reiterate this. It is not about wins and losses in hockey. It's about points. Who can get the most points? The Florida Panthers have 48 wins. The Toronto Maple Leafs have 44 wins. It's only four-game difference. The Bruins are only five games behind them in terms of wins and losses. But the Panthers have 102 points, which is 11 more than the Bruins. And that is nine more than the Maple Leafs and the Lightning. So there's a massive difference there because they're winning. And if they're not, they're losing in overtime. It's simple as that. It is simple as that. So, trade deadline has come and gone. Bruins made some new acquisitions on the blue line, strengthening and bolstering up their defense. Are, I guess this is a similar question like I've asked about the Celtics, are the Bruins built for a Stanley Cup run? Yes or no? I think, let me think, and hydrate. Ah, uh, I mean they're playing excellent hockey. I'm just readjusting myself in my chair. They're playing excellent hockey, and they've gone on an insane run, just like the Celtics. It's all—it's weird. They play in the same building, uh. They play for the same city. They've gone on fantastic runs, respectively, since the new year, since 2022, right, January 1st. Are they built for a Stanley Cup run? I think this year's team. With the new acquisitions on the blue line are deeper. Offense is looking better. They're getting some scoring from the secondary. It's like secondary scoring, so your second, third, and fourth line. It's not all reliant on Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. They've moved Pasternak down a line, and they've elevated Jake DeBrusque to kind of help even out and level out the talent and the scoring. Jake DeBrusque has played better. Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle are playing better. Pasternak is Pasternak. So it's like, all right, like, let's, you know, this is actually working. It, it's fantastic. And even if they're a wildcard team, I'm not too worried about it. We've seen countless times over and over again that teams in the wildcard position can still go on runs, they can still make it to the Stanley Cup finals and win. It's okay. It is absolutely okay. Because honestly, hockey. Home ice, yes, is very important. Home field advantage, home court advantage, whatever, is important in sports. But I do think it is not as important in hockey I do not I d I don't. I don't yes, it's nice. You want to play in front of your crowd. When you score a goal, you want everyone to go bananas. You want you want the crowd cheering for you. But like in basketball, home court and basketball, like if you're the home team, you're probably going to win. Right? Football, maybe not so much. You know, especially the Bengals proved that theory wrong. But I don't know and the Patriots at the at, you know the peak of their dynasty, Tom Brady. It was just nice to have the game in Gillette with the home crowd, because you know the Patriots are going to beat you up on defense. They were going to score points on offense, and that alone is going to be demoralizing for the other team. Then you get the crowd booing for you and cheering for the other team like that hits differently. In baseball, I feel like the crowd um I mean, it helps for sure. Yeah, baseball's a baseball's a tricky one. I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because I think it does, but definitely not nowhere near as much as it matters as basketball. Football and baseball might be kind of the same, but in hockey, I truly don't think it matters. Hey, but if I'm wrong, let me know about that. That's just my opinion. And I feel confident. I mean, the Bruins struggling before on the road. They now playing well on the road, 21, 9, and 3. They've gone on a tremendous, you know, streak themselves since January 1. Last 10, they're 8 and 2. They're on a two game winning streak. So they're playing good hockey, great hockey at the right time. Again, like the Celtics, they needed to go on like a, a 10 wins in 12 game kind of a run. 17 in their past, 22 kind of a run, maybe a couple overtime losses in there, and that would help propel them up in the standings based on points. Because that's what it's all about, based on points. The Bruins have 14 games left in the regular season. 14 games left of the regular season. I have no doubt they'll get to 100 points. But circling back to the original question, what are their... Stanley Cup uh, chances. Well, Florida Panthers are playing out of their mind. Absolutely out of their mind. And, I mean, just a few seasons ago, Panthers were, you know, not the team that they were. I mean, they were a good team, don't get me wrong. But, like, are they built for a deep run in their own respect? Are they built for a deep run? I I mean, the way that they're playing, it certainly looks like it. That's for damn sure. It certainly looks like it. So the Panthers a problem, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're playing excellent hockey. They're putting a ton of pucks, you know, in the net. But they're also giving up a few, a few goals as well. I mean, 204. That is the highest among the playoff teams outside of the Maple Leafs at 207, but their goal differential is a huge, huge plus and benefit. They are not losing many games. They're red hot. The Maple Leafs are getting hot at the right time. They're seven and three in their last ten, and they've won four in a row. The Lightning six three and one in the last ten, but like the Lightning, two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. That's a team that is scary. They have a lot of star talent. The Maple Leafs, they're a great team this year, yes. But in years past, they've faltered to the Bruins. But is recent years going to be the same as this year? Who knows? Who freaking knows? No one in the Metropolitan Division scares me, right? Like, yeah, the Carolina Hurricanes, they're a really good team. They have 98 points, 45 wins. Goal differential of 66, not giving up a lot of goals. But we know the Bruins can play with them. That We know, yeah, okay, well, they did lose like 6-7-1, you know, like a month ago. But, but it's besides the point. We can play with them. We know that we can put up goals. We can put goals in, uh pucks in the net. And we know we can defend them. I feel like we know the Hurricanes very well. The Rangers, the Penguins. I feel like the Penguins have taken a step back. The Rangers, again, still a good team. 6-3-1 in their last 10, plus 29 goal differential. I don't know. I mean, they they kind of make me feel the same as the the Maple Leafs, where it's like, you know, you've danced with them before in the playoffs. You know, you've handled them before in the playoffs. What? It, but is years past going to be the same as this year? Who knows? Who knows? Overall, I think... The majority of the teams in the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. Again, I'm not even looking at the West. I don't care about the West in all honesty. But looking at the Eastern Conference, I give the Bruins um, just as good a shot as any of them. Really, I give them as good a shot as anybody. I don't look at, you know, the Panthers as too scary of a team or the, you know, the Hurricanes too big of a threat that the Bruins couldn't handle. Could they still lose to them? Absolutely, of course they could. It's the playoffs. It's hockey. Would I be surprised? More disappointed than surprised, if anything. I would definitely be more disappointed than surprised. But, like, you know, it's the playoffs. It's hockey. I mean, all eight teams that get into the playoffs could win. That's just a fact that they could win. So, I don't think the Bruins are a favorite. I don't think they're an underdog. They're probably kind of in the middle. And that's that's okay. I mean, that's when one of the great things about hockey is like there's no clear-cut favorite. I mean, it's not like, you know, for a decade the Patriots were the one or the two seed in the in the AFC and they were like a lock to get to the AFC title game. It's not like that. And obviously that's good for us local fans, but at the end of the day in terms of the sport as a whole, it's not it's not healthy for the sport. So it's good to see From a NFL fan standpoint, it's good to see that that reign is over and the Chiefs are kind of taking that. Hopefully, they can falter massively. But as a Patriot fan, it was awesome to basically have an AFC lock for your team every year. All right, here's my last topic for the Bruins. Who will be the Bruins' starting goalie come the playoffs? Or will they alternate between... Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. They've both been playing very well. I've been very hard on Olmark all season long throughout the course of season one as we've been talking about the Bruins here in 21-22. But he's been playing pretty well. I mean, they're both playing well. And they're a good tandem going back and forth. I really do think so. You know, in years past, it's been Tuca. Tuca, Tuca, Tuca is the starter no matter what. And that's fair. He's been one of the best goalies Um Year in and year out, historically one of the best goalies, so that made a lot of sense. You don't have Tuca anymore. You have Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, who are two very capable goalies in this league. Swayman's still fairly younger. Olmark's not a uh, grizzled veteran either. And I think the tandem of going back and forth would probably work. It would keep them both ready. It would keep them both prepared. Yes, Jeremy Swayman is your long-term goalie, But we're not looking long-term right now. We're looking at the 2022 Stanley Cup playoff run. Okay. And if you do alternate goalies, like I said, it would keep the goalies prepared and on their toes. But it would also keep the other team prepared and on their toes because they can't just study film of one of the goalies. Like in years past, teams would just be able to study film of Tuka Rask. You know, where does he give up uh, a little bit of room? You know, it looks like that left shoulder kind of, You know, drops a little bit, so maybe we can sneak it past them. You know, the right leg's a little too slow to get to that other pipe. But if you alternate the goalies, a team's going to have to study both of them. And that's going to be an advantage to you, especially where you have two capable goalies come to playoffs. To perform well and to play goaltender at a high level, I think it would be extremely, extremely beneficial because, again, the teams aren't going to be able to just study Swayman or just study Omar and try to find out those weaknesses in one or the other. They'd have to prepare for both because Game 1, they can get Swayman. Game 2, Omar. Game 3, Omar. Game 4, Swayman. But you don't know. It could alternate. alternate Omar, Swayman. Alternate. Uh, Omar, Swayman. And I think that is a weapon and an advantage that the Bruins should use. But let's see if they do. Let's see. Years past, they have been glued to Tuka Rask in net no matter what. Deservingly so. Last year, prime example, they stuck with Tuca Rask even though he was injured. And I sat here on this podcast last year and said, in his game six of the second round last year before they lost to the Islanders, I sat here and said, if Tuka Rask is healthy, start him no matter what come to find out he starts but he wasn't healthy if he was not healthy it was it was pointless to start him because he's not 100 percent. so start the kid or start Yar, uh, Yaroslav Halak when you had him that's just my take on it I do I am very excited for the hockey playoffs this year because Bruins look very good they're deeper at defense now they're getting scoring from the secondary lines, two three four. It's not just Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand anymore. You're actually spreading out the goals, which is good, which is awesome, because we've seen where that top line, Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand, cools down. We've seen them go cold. We've seen them get shut down. Pasternak, in years before, has been a ghost in the playoffs. So getting him right and him heating up at the right moment with Coyle, with Hall, with Marchand, and Bergeron, and Jake DeBrusque now on the first line, it's making sense and is helping your team win games heading into the playoffs and keeping up with the other teams in your division like the Panthers Maple Leafs and the Lightning who are currently ahead of you in that division because that's obviously what we're all shooting for is a division spot and not a wild card spot but hey as long as you get in you get in right but That is going to do it for today's episode. I don't want to dive into the Red Sox because that is going to be a massive discussion and a conversation right then and there, and it's probably going to take us another 20 to 30 minutes to talk about, and we're already 42 minutes in, 43 minutes into this episode, so I don't want to dive into that right now, right yet, but we will talk about the Red Sox come Friday for episode number 134, I absolutely promise, and in addition in that episode I will be revealing my NFL mock draft 1.0 I'll probably release it on social media when I'm done with it but I'm really going to dive in and you know press out the wrinkles on Friday's episode after after we talk about the Red Sox I guarantee it and I promise and I'm very very excited to do that because it is draft season playoffs are over Free agency buzz has kind of dwindled down a little bit, dwindled down a little bit. But now we have the draft ready to rock and roll, and I cannot wait for that. And again, I can't wait to talk about the Red Sox because we do have baseball on the horizon because at the end of season one, we had no idea if we were going to get a 2022 season or what kind of season we were going to get, if any at all. So it's good to be talking about the Red Sox. With a season up ahead of us. But like I said, that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and joining, as I greatly appreciate the love and support from every single listener. If you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on this video. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing, as I would greatly appreciate the love and support. But again, that is going to do it for this one. You can find me on social media, at Murph's Card Town, on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. I cannot wait for Friday's episode, but that is going to wrap it up for episode number 133. Hopefully, you have a fantastic week with some nice weather, I believe. I mean, quick double check. Quick double check. Quick, 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 quick. Oh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is going to be all rain. Ugh. Well, hopefully that rain can kind of subdue a little bit and kind of, you know, yeah. But anyways, have a fantastic week. I will catch you for Friday for episode 134. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you.